0: so great to be here and to see a room packed with people. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here speaking with you this morning. My name is Waijia and I've been praying all week that today's message will really stir your hearts to ask ourselves this question, will you risk for the cause of Christ? The idea of risk, what does it mean to you? What comes to your mind when you think of the word risk? It's funny because I think when we think of risk, it's like the imagery of us walking on a tightrope. And it's like, oh, this is so dangerous. But how many of us see risk differently in a way where it's like jumping off a cliff but into the arms of our father? Today, my hope is that I will challenge each and every one of you to rethink what risk is and to consider taking the risks that God presents to you, the risks that are worth taking in life. I want to share this quote with you from a book that changed my life. When I first accepted Christ when I was 18 years old, I read this book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper, and it says this, If our single, all-embracing passion is to make much of Christ in life and death. And if the life that magnifies him most is the life of costly love, then life is risk, and to risk is right. To waste, to run from risk is to waste your life. This is what John Piper says. Friends, friends, What risks has God been asking you to take? And what risks have you been putting aside? Because we tell ourselves, God, this is too dangerous. There's too much at stake. I want to share a couple of stories with you today from my own life as well as from the Bible. You know, several years ago when I was a young 18-year-old, people asked me, they said this How can you take the risk to go to Nepal and live with girls in a children's home when there were bomb blasts and when there were riots? Like, Wasn't that a foolish thing to do? And then when we got married and the Lord called us to Uganda, I had the same questions that people asked me. Except this time, I was also responsible for my spouse. (laughs) And people asked me the same thing. How can you, as a medical doctor, allow your husband to go to Uganda with you when it's a malarial hotspot, when he can't take the yellow fever vaccine, when he had cancer before and had a liver transplant. What were the stakes? And now, many years later, I'm a mother of two young girls, aged four and two. And now as our family prepares again, waiting and asking God to send us to the field again, the questions have changed and yet not changed. The same question remains. Have you not considered the risks? Friends, when God presents opportunities for us to serve Him, there is always a risk. But I want to invite you today to step into that and say, yes, Lord, if you have asked me, I will say yes. This is a personal message to me because about six weeks ago, one of my bosses, one of my mentors in public health, he sent me an email and he said, you know, there's this call for assistance in humanitarian public health emergencies around the world. And he said, would you send in your CV and offer yourself for deployment for at least six weeks in a developing country somewhere in Africa? And I looked at that email. I just stunned. I was just so stunned. I just sat in my laptop. I just looked at it. And I thought to myself, he's got to be kidding. <laughs> I mean, he knows Cliff, he knows my children. I mean, what, what, what was he thinking? I mean, when I was 18 years old, I would say yes in a heartbeat. And maybe when I was married, I would ask Cliff, do you want to come along? But now, at this point in time, I think to myself, the stakes are too high. Friends, as the Lord blesses us more and more, as we grow older and older? Will we take the very things that he gives to us to bless us and say, oh Lord, there is too much at stake? Do you remember the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler who said, Lord, I have followed all of these things to follow you. What else do I need to do? And the Lord said, sell everything and follow me. And what did he say? He could not. He could not. And how many of us see working in a secure job, amassing riches, being comfortable in a life of security and comfort? How many of us consider that a risk? Did the rich young ruler consider that as he was amassing his riches and storing up in his barns that that was a risk? What did he lose? His eternal inheritance. Gosh, when the stakes are so high, friends. Can we afford to say no to God? And so as those weeks passed, and I looked at that email, two weeks ago as I was preparing this message, I I reopened the email and I looked at it. And I told myself, if I'm preaching this message, I better do something about this. And so for the first time, I sat Cliff down And I said, Cliff, look at this. And he was equally stunned. And I looked at him, and he looked at me. And we don't know which is harder, me being in the field in Africa in a public health crisis, or him with my two little toddlers. (laughs) But as we looked at that, we looked at each other, we held hands, and we said, Lord, let us obey. Let us trust you. Let us be willing to say, I will risk. Earlier this week on Tuesday, I received another email. And they said, Dr. Tam, we have found a place for you to be deployed at. And I didn't dare to read the rest of the email. And they said, would you come to Congo, Brazzaville, for 12 weeks alone? And I sat there, and I felt like my whole world was falling apart. And you might laugh because, I mean, it's, it, it's, not, it's not that crazy. Maybe you think, but the truth is this. When God presents us with risks, no matter how small or how big, the funny thing is, when it's presented to us, it feels like the whole world is at stake. And as I sat there looking at that email, I shared it with Cliff. We didn't say a word. That entire day we didn't see each other until the late afternoon. and when he saw me again, he said this. He was driving and he had tears in his eyes, and he said this: "Why' if you, you go?" People will ask me," he said. "How can I let my wife go to such a dangerous place?" And I will tell this to them, he said. How can I not let my wife go to such a dangerous place when the needs are so great and God has opened the door? Friends, what is the risk that God is presenting to you? Are we not poor judges of risk? People have asked me this. Are you crazy? Like, have you not weighed like the pros and cons? Like, if you go there, something bad could happen. But the thing is this, you and I, we don't know What will happen at the end of the service? We don't know if our hearts will continue beating through Christmas or to the end of the year. We don't know that if the children we raise and cuddle and put through enrichment classes and school and all these top classes will end up losing their faith because they've built their lives and identities on academic success. Friends, what is at stake here? It is our eternal inheritance. I was reading the biography of Jim Elliot, you know, this crazy missionary guy who went to Ecuador, and he and his four of his friends got speared to death while trying to share the gospel with these savage, well Christians. And the funny thing was this. The funny thing is, Elizabeth Elliot, his wife who was widowed, she said this, I never blamed God. And her biographer writes this. Her biographer says, you know, when we start measuring eternal, divine destinies with temporal measures, that is dangerous because people started saying things like, oh, you know, Jim Elliot, he died. It was for a good cause because, you know, some of the Christ- some of the Waodani tribal people became Christians. And my question is this, how many How many people, how many Christians would it take to measure up against five widows and nine fatherless children? When you and I start measuring whether it's worth it, whether the risk I took was worth it, when we start using our own minds to measure the outcome, where is our faith? Of course, we all want the victory stories of the God of Daniel and the lion's den, the God of Esther, the God of Job who came through for us. But what happens, friends, when God doesn't come through? I ask myself before I go off on any mission whether I will come back in one piece. And we sit down and we go through our wills and we talk to our lawyer friends. These are the difficult decisions that have to be made. And friends, I know not all of us are called to frontier missions, but God is calling us all to a destiny, something deeper, something higher. And let us not fall short of that. If God is saying, come, whether it's to start a marketplace venture, whether it's to quit your job for a year, whether it's to take a sabbatical, to go to the Bible school, to do something for the community, or maybe it's even just reaching out to that neighbor or yours, the men on the street, whatever it is, there is a cost to you, there is a risk. But consider this today, what is the risk of you not doing that? I leave you with one word, Obedience. The Lord is calling us to trust and obey. Friends, will you and I do that? Will we step into that and say, yes, Lord, I will obey? The funny thing is, after Cliff and I said yes, we said yes to the deployment. I, I got on a Zoom call to speak to the person in charge from Geneva. And he said, oh, actually, we just realized you don't speak French. So it's going to be a terrible match for you in Congo. So he said, give us some time. We'll try and look for another redeployment. So up to now, I don't know if they will actually find me a match. But every night before I go to bed, I tell myself, this could be one day less on me sleeping on this bed. (laughs) We only have one life. Shall we not live it for the Lord? I want to share with you from Daniel 3, these three crazy men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know if you remember this story in the Bible where, where you know, King Nebuchadnezzar says, all of you, every one of you, you have to bow down to these golden idols. And if you don't, I'll throw you in the blazing furnace. And my thought was this. Now, the reality of a furnace, the reality of the fire is so real. It's not, if you don't pray, maybe you'll get sent. It is that. It is, if you don't pray, you will get sent to the fire. And why did these three crazy men say no? What possessed them to continue to say, no, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not, we will not, we will not defend ourselves in this matter because our God will save us. Do we have the courage to say, our God will save me? But this is not the punchline, friends. The punchline comes in verse 18. But even if our God does not save us, we will still not worship you. Even if our God does not save us, we will still not bow down to your golden idols. If God calls us and doesn't come through for us in the way that we want I ask myself, what if one day I lose one of my girls in the field? Will I still blame God? Friends, the costs are high, but are we willing to say yes? I want to share two stories with you. <laughs> this is Cliff from Uganda. Some of you um, know that we spent a year there a couple of years ago, and this is him fixing our little car. We bought this 20-year-old tin can of a car which we sold just before we left, and he calls it Cookie Monster affectionately. It's it's a car that needs to be coaxed. You know, it breaks down when you need it, but it kind of jerks back to life if you coax it. And he's, he's, he's changed the tires, like, countless of times. But one day after he and I had come back from Hoima. It's a little town um, in the Uganda where he and our Bible school um, pastors in in Africa, they had graduated a batch of African Bible school students. And they had just come back. The next day, we were actually due to go to Rwanda for for a a two-week-long preaching and teaching ministry. And all these students had come all over Rwanda just to be there. But that evening when we came back from Hoima, Cliff and all the other African pastors had massive diarrhoea. Diarrhoea, vomiting, fever. Interestingly, I was the only one who was spared. But Cliff, of all people, had the mother of all diarrheas. okay? He was in the toilet, it was smelly, it was explosive, it was almost bloody. And I was like, Cliff, we cannot go to Rwanda in this state. Because I, the Singaporean, with the logical mindset, thought we can just take a plane to Rwanda. But no, our wonderful African pastor and Cliff had discussed and decided that the best way to go was to take Cookie Monster. Oh my goodness. And so I said, Cliff, you are in a terrible state. Tomorrow we cannot go. And he said, no, no. If you know my husband, he's very stoic, very calm. He is the rock, a rock. He said, I will be well in the morning. And I look at him and I'm like, and the whole night he's in the bathroom and the next morning we have breakfast. He looks at me, I look He's not touching a thing on his plate. And I feel the Lord asking me or telling me, submit, let Cliff decide. And so I look up and I say, sweetheart, this one is your call. He has a, he's thinking very deeply. And he and I are thinking the same thing because we've just loaded the car with all of our luggage. And the luggage cannot be packed in a bag or plastic bags. It has to be in these cardboard boxes we, which we had spent the week foraging and scavenging for because Rwanda has a no-plastic bag policy. So the thing that's going in our mind is if we have to unpack, then we have to repack again. So Cliff looks up and he says, if I'm going to be miserable sitting here, I might as well be miserable driving. So he drives. But friends, this is not a two-hour drive. This is, I told him, a very long drive. Why would you want to do that? And he said, oh no, it's a short road trip. It's just two days. And I'm like hello, this is the worst time for our cross-cultural differences to come in because he's Canadian. Anything less than five days is a short road trip. For me, anything more than 20 minutes is a long road trip. So he starts driving, and as we drive, my Wi-Fi signal gets lost, and I realise that, oh my goodness, we're in the middle of nowhere. There are like farmlands and fields, and there's nobody inside. If he passes up behind the wheel, I don't know what I'll do. And I'm embarrassed to confess that I didn't have a driving license at the time So truly, we would be in deep trouble So Cliff carries a little glass bottle of Fanta in between his thighs Driving lots of toilet paper next to him And I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, we're in for a long ride Ten hours pass, somehow he survives And we reach Lake Bunyoni. This is the lake of many birds. It's supposed to be a beautiful tourist attraction, but when we reach there, no. The sky is brooding. There are all these grey clouds. The air is thick with this heaviness. And the entire evening, there is this low rumbling. It's like a mirror of Cliff's gastrointestinal system. And then it starts to pour. And pour, and the whole night it is pouring, We're stuck in this little mud-thatched roof in this house, and it's totally pitch black at night. So I'm there with my little iPhone, the little light on, crouched in the corner, trying to charge it at the wall. And I start to write to my professors from medical school. I say, look, I've given Cliff metronidazole and flagell, all this stuff, and he's still not getting better, and we have a long drive tomorrow. What do I do? And I'm thinking to myself, they're very busy, they probably won't get to my email. But one of them replies and she says, what Cliff needs is azithromycin STAT And I'm like, STAT? STAT stat means like one dose immediately, that's it I'm like, his condition, need, don't, need three, don't you need three times a day, twice a day, for a week or two? And so I write back, STAT? And she says, yes, because azithromycin is an atomic bomb So I say, okay, but where am I going to get azithromycin in the middle of nowhere? And so I start to pray. This time, I'm really desperate. But I promise you, before I, I emailed her, I also texted our prayer warriors, okay? I also said, everybody, please pray for us from Cornerstone. Um, and, and, and one of them, Megan, our wonderful Megan from FaithWorks, a woman of prayer, prayer warrior, she, she texts me back and she says, I, I'm going to pray for you that as you cross the border into Rwanda, that cliff will be healed in Jesus' name. And I wish I said a big amen to that, but I did not. Instead, I looked at that. Text and I did this. These over spiritual, non medical people don't understand. And I have repented before the Lord, okay? I sense your condemnation hurling towards me. <laughs> I have repented before the Lord, okay? <laughs> so I read that and we start to go. And as we go, there is this little shack at the border of Rwanda. And this row of old shop houses is really like just a whole holes in the wall, and I see this hand painted words. It says pharmacy. So I say, Cliff, stop the car. I need to go down. But it really looks like just a little first aid shack. There's really nothing much more in there than maybe Panadol and some first aid stuff. But I say, please stop. I'm so desperate. I run down. I write the words on a piece of paper, and I say, I, I shove it under the, the the plastic panel. I say, you know, do you have this? And this little 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 Man with sick glasses behind, still Indian man, he looks at me and he's just like sorting his stuff, and then he shoves a tinfoil to me. And I'm like, What's this? Legit or not? And he says, It's what you asked for. And I'm like, How much? Legit or not? And he said, 2,500 shillings. And I'm like, what? It's a dollar. It's a dollar. So I run back to the car and I say, Cliff, Cliff, I've got it. I've got got the loot. I said, take this, you'll be better. And he takes it. And as he drives through the border of Rwanda, the, the, the landscape changes. The air becomes cool and crisp. There's this beautiful landscape painting God's faithfulness. And for the first time in days, Cliff says, Can you pass me a banana? I'm hungry. And as we cross the border into Rwanda, the Holy Spirit reminds me of Megan's prayer. As you cross the border into Rwanda, Cliff shall be healed. We can give God a clap offering for that, right? We can praise God for that. So, in the the days ahead, Cliff started teaching and preaching. And friends, this was one of the stupidest things we could have done in the eyes of men. But God delivered us. God delivered us because Cliff was obedient. He was not afraid. But the funny thing was this, that the story doesn't end here. I wish it could end here. But I had this bright idea that because it was going to be Cliff's birthday, and we're only going to be in this part of the world for this point, maybe in this season of our lives, right? So I had this bright idea. I went to Google. I went to look up this place on the way back from Rwanda to Uganda is actually a famous heritage site where you can view endangered gorillas in their natural habitat. So I thought to myself, this will be the best birthday present for Cliff. And you know what? It's got half price for missionaries. Come on. (laughs) So I booked the thing. It's very legit. I promise you the website is perfect. It's fancy. And I'm like, We're going to have a great time. But as we continue driving and driving, I realise that the roads are getting narrower and narrower. It's serpentining around this mountain. And then before I know it, my Wi-Fi signal is lost. And it's dark. It's so dark that I look up and I'm like, is it going to rain? But no, it is not. The place is called Bwindi, which means impenetrable. Because the blanket of rainforest above us is so thick, it blocks out the sun. And then, as I'm thinking of this, and looking at my phone, and thinking, "Oh, I've never seen like no bars for," I, I mean, besides besides the road there, I'm like, "Oh no, this is again." There is a huge monster truck that comes out from the blind, and, and it starts moving towards us. Headlights blare, and cliff swerves the car so hard that my heart leaps out of my mouth, and literally, I see our car being flicked off the edge of the cliff, like a crumb off a cookie table. My hands melt into the passenger seat and I tell myself, this is the end. Our car is like a metre or two away from the cliff's edge and this big Ugandan guy comes out from his monster truck and he's like, Bonagi, you guys! And I'm like, oh, okay, good. Glasgow Coma score, everything intact, He's, he's well. I don't want to do like CPR in the middle of nowhere, right? So I'm like, okay, he's fine, but how about us? And we look at ourselves and we look at him. And I realize that I've never been so close to death in my entire life, in spite of all the different trips and all the crazy places we've been. We have never been so close to death. So I asked the Lord, Lord, what is the message that you are teaching us? Is it that every time we serve you, we have to suffer and, you know, pay the price and go through the cost? But every time we want to enjoy ourselves, you know, we cannot because you frown on it. Is that the message? No. The message is this. That would you and I be willing to recalibrate our risks in life because we don't know tomorrow? And the kinds of yardsticks, the matrices that we use to measure risk is so different when seen through God's lenses. Friends, the tragic hypocrisy is this, that we live, we are so enchanted by our security and comfort that we fail and we forget to realise that God has called us to a life that is beyond this comfort. So the one question I want to leave with you today is this. Would you pursue your pleasures and pursuits. And the things of life that people say are important. Or today, would you consider this in First Corinthians 3.19, that the foolishness, the, the foolishness that the world labels us with is not how God sees. For the wisdom of this world It's foolishness with God. I want to leave you with this question Would you take a risk for God? I want to invite some of the worship team just to come up. I want to pray for all of us today. Have you considered the risks that God presents to you? Father, I just want to pray for each and every person here right now. And as you close your eyes and bow your heads, and if you want to kneel, would you take this time just to tell the Lord, Lord, I am willing. I will risk. And maybe it's too hard for you right now. Maybe it's too difficult. Maybe you tell yourselves, God, there is so much allure, insecurity and comfort. And God, you have given me a spouse. You have given me children. I have to be responsible. Don't get me wrong. God desires for us to be responsible stewards. But He also desires us to lay everything at His feet and to surrender and to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. When all the world He says, it's a foolishness. God, I will take the right choice, the wise choice to say yes to the risks you present to me. So God, even right now, as we present our hearts to you, would you give us your grace and mercy? Help us to say, I will risk. I see a lot of young people in the crowd today. Don't get me wrong, I'm not asking you to do foolish, crazy things out of this bravado. The courage that comes from God is anchored in Him. Father, burn away the dross. Take away the risks that are not worth taking. Throw it out, Lord. And right now, present to each and every one of us the one thing you are calling us to do as we close off the year in 2021 and move into a new year. Would you enable us to have the courage, courage to say, Lord, I will risk. It could be something very little, friends don't be deceived it is not too small for God if He's asking you just to share Christ with your family just to release your child to pursue the cause that he or she wants if it's just to take a short break a retreat just to spend the time with the Lord the Lord knows the risk and the cost that is to you these are not too small for God But if the Lord is calling you right now, if the Holy Spirit is beckoning you, don't ignore it. Lord, we present our hearts tender before you and we just want to say, God, count us faithful. Count us worthy to say yes to you. God, I thank you for this congregation and I pray that even right now you will speak to them and if the Lord is speaking to you right now, don't take this lightly but just put up your hands in front of you as an offering to say, Lord, I will risk. Just put your hands open, your palms open before Him and say, Lord, I am willing whatever that you have called me to do, I am willing no matter what the cost, no matter what the outcome. If I perish, I perish. Lord, I will risk. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you will seal this in our hearts today and enable us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.